0: I climbed out from under a rock. I'm here to talk about the election, some of my thoughts on politics in general. I give you the latest couple books that I've read. I elaborate more on my running and weight loss, and I read a next-door post. It's a good one. Why would I tell you if it was not a good one? It was... uh, Pointless. Uh, if you don't want to hear my thoughts on politics, uh, fast forward about twenty-five minutes, and then you can get into the other stuff that I talk about on this episode. But I am uh, a thought-provoking man, so I—I I think you should give it a go. Check out out of the hat. Here we go. We. I've missed you. been a while since I've done this. Last week has been a little bit crazy. Not sure if you know this or not, but uh, we had an election. Who knew? And uh, when big stuff happens in the news, I tend to disappear, both on social media and uh, in person as well. And I end up buried in work. So the last week and change has been a little bit nuts. Congrats to the... 140 plus million of you who voted. Good for you. Bravo. I have some thoughts on that, and um, I've decided that uh, I'm okay with uh, how I am politically as a person, even though most people don't like me. If you're a Democrat, you won't like me. If you're a Republican, you won't like me. Um, I think most people are independent, but there's a lot of people out there who do fall under one party or the other, and those people certainly won't like me. I was having a uh, back-and-forth text exchange with someone the other day, and uh, they were very happy that uh, it looked like Trump was going to lose. This was on, oh gosh, Friday, I want to say. I'm recording this uh, Sunday night, and uh, the election was called you know, earlier this afternoon or late this morning for... Uh, president-elect Biden. Um, but I was going back and forth on Friday with this person, and they were super happy, and I told them, you know, I I hope that the country gets better over the next four years. Um, I, I don't know that it will. Um, the president, to me, President Trump, certainly was not presidential uh, with his tone, with his actions. He won by dividing the country and he he ruled by dividing the country. And the first and foremost principle that that I always vote for is, is the person presidential or not uh, with the way they speak, with their actions? Because ultimately, the way I see it is I don't necessarily believe that they're going to get anything done. I like to think that they will. But. They need Congress to do that. They need the House. They need the Senate. Yes, they can pass some things by executive order. But to really get major change done, they need to work with the House and the Senate. And to me, President Trump just was was not presidential in his tone. Um, The way that he handled the pandemic was abhorrent. It couldn't have been much worse in my eyes. Uh, And yet I will always say that I wanted to see him succeed, because to me, if he succeeds, ultimately we succeed. But I don't feel he did succeed. And to me, that showed based on the fact, uh, in part, he didn't get a second term, uh, just how how against uh, him so much of the country was. But my bigger point, uh, Democrats and Republicans, I went on this long text rant, Uh, my friend didn't tick me off, but they just got me fired up. And they were saying like they they were really optimistic. Oh, all this stuff is going to change under Biden. It's going to be so great. And I said, eh, I'm not so sure. Um, you know, I I thought that President Obama, who was a great speaker, would be able to uh, come in and get some things done. And Yes, obviously, some things got done. I understand that. But but he didn't get done nearly what he hoped to. Yes, I understand Obamacare, major accomplishment for him. Um, uh, gay marriage passed under his watch. Um, but to me, uh, he tried to get things done on immigration. We've had a lot of presidents try to get stuff done on immigration, and we haven't seen major change there. We've seen small things. But we have not seen major change. Uh, Trump got his tax plan. He got three Supreme Court justices. Uh, But again, I would argue uh, it's funny. I was talking to a a Trump backer today, a Trump voter, and uh, they were saying, no, couldn't agree with you more. He's not presidential in the way he talks. And, you know, his tax plan, you know, I really thought it was going to be good. And I never paid more in taxes than than when he passed this tax plan. And yet this person still voted for Trump for another term. So go figure. Um, But what I was explaining to this Democrat was uh, I'm libertarian, essentially, fiscally conservative. So I want, you know, lower taxes. Um, I want government to largely stay out of my life and uh, socially liberal. I've never smoked weed in my life, but anytime it's on a ballot, I vote for it. Uh, whether it's medicinal or just for everybody to be able to take. And Prop 207 passed, so uh, marijuana going to be legal here in Arizona. Uh, you won't need to go to some, uh, you know, half-rate doctor and tell him you've got back pain or, uh, you know, anxiety or this, that, or the other. Now you can just, uh, you know, go in and uh, get your weed. I'm not sure exactly how it's going to work, but but I voted for it. So, uh So that's uh, good to me. Um, You know, when it comes to things like abortion, when I was on my uh, seven mile and change run and walk today, the way I thought about that was I think a lot more guys uh, who, who are Republican or independent or even Democrat who might be against abortion would be a lot more for it if they were the ones who had to carry the child, and they had that responsibility of those nine months and all that was attached to it. And I understand there's a lot of guys who do put a lot of thought to it, but I just think something changes. And to me, uh, I will defend the woman's right to choose. Um, I I believe that at some point, yes, that is a life inside of you, but I believe that you have the right to terminate that uh, pregnancy. I would hope that you... Ah uh, do it earlier than later. Um, I don't wanna see people wait until the third trimester and wait super late but i I don't think in general, that's when people are doing that sort of thing. but uh gay marriage, I was talking to my Democrat buddy as well, and you know, he was saying that you know that was such a huge thing that that happened and and I get it. it was a huge thing, and to me, it's pathetic in a way that that it has to be a huge thing. And I'm not trying to say that it wasn't a big deal because it was. And I understand why people celebrated it and why it is such a tremendous moment. But it's sad to me that, you know, women couldn't vote for so long in this country. Uh, Black people couldn't vote. Then they were like half a voter, you know, three fifths and all this jazz. And, you know gay people couldn't get married it's it's sad to me that as a white guy that you know in many ways i've i've just always had these things in my life and my ancestors have had those things my you know guy ancestors at least the the women couldn't always vote um but when it comes to uh, social issues in general, I'm going to be pretty liberal on those issues. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm cool. I wish the government stayed out of our life. And yeah, if you want to get married, go for it. If you don't go, you know, don't get married, hang out, cool, do whatever. You want to smoke some weed? That's fine with me. Uh, I've never tried any hard drugs in my life, but I, you know, in general, I would punish the actions that result from taking those drugs at times more than taking those drugs. So I, I, I can't remember what state it was. I want to say Oregon or Washington. Uh, I'm going to butcher this, so I should look it up. Um, they decriminalized it, I want to say. Oregon, cocaine. Let's just try that. Oregon becomes the first state to decriminalize hard drugs. Uh, Let's see here what this says. Oregon became the first state to decriminalize hard drugs like cocaine and heroin. A nationwide push to relax drug laws took a big step forward. On Tuesday, voters in Oregon uh, were the first state to decriminalize the possession of small amounts of street drugs like heroin, methamphetamine, and cocaine. Meanwhile, five more states legalized marijuana for adults. So, yeah, uh, I'm for that as well. I'm not pro people using cocaine, but I get it. And again, what I would punish is, you know, if somebody does a bunch of coke and then, uh, you know, harms somebody, gets in a fight, uh, assaults them, you know, rapes them, anything along those lines, kills them, punish the action. Uh, the, the drug itself, I, I don't feel we need to punish that. Um I feel like the more we make these things taboo in some ways, the more some people want to try them. And I'm all for trying to get people rehab for things like that. And I don't feel uh, prison, jail usually is an effective means of rehab. I think a lot of people who end up there either reoffend or, you know, once you end up in that system, it's very tough to break that cycle at times. Uh, Now the election itself. Trump and Biden. Uh, (laughs) Heard a a lot of whoppers from the president this week. He spoke on, I want to say that was Thursday. I would uh, bring some of it up here and I could, but in general, he spoke for like 10 or 15 minutes and I just heard a lot of lies. He talked about how the election was being stolen and and in some states, he wanted to make sure that they kept counting. And then in other states, he wanted to, stop the vote you know stop the vote it's like well the vote has been stopped i understand that you know votes are being counted and in some states they said they would continue to count votes but nobody could you know put their ballot in the mail today and get their vote counted or they should not be able to and the best example i saw of uh to me to defend the fact that the election here in arizona is going the way it should is our county recorder here in Maricopa County is Adrian Fontes. He is up for re-election against a guy named uh, Stephen Richer. And uh, Mr. Fontes, the county recorder, is actually losing his election right now by about 2,500 votes to Mr. Richer. And yet you have people screaming that the election is being rigged and that you know votes are coming in in the backs of trucks and No, that's not what's going on. That's actually the media bringing in and out their equipment. That's not, you know, tons of votes pouring in that are illegal votes. Uh, To me, it's a lot like with fake news. Uh, Fake news is only news that President Trump and a lot of people don't like in most cases. Uh, Just like uh, there's this whole thing about uh, illegal votes or, you know, Things like that. It's like, well, no, um, that's really just a vote that the president doesn't like. So it's a legal vote if you vote for Trump. If you don't vote for Trump, then it's an illegal vote. Then you got to have issues with it. Let's see what else I can dive into here. Um, You know, I've I've went around about this three or four times and gotten sidetracked with stuff. So uh, Democrats and Republicans hating me. Totally cool with it. And uh, me for smaller government. And, uh, you know, pro-social issues. So uh, Republicans like some of my stuff when I say, yeah, low taxes. But then they hate me when I talk about, yeah, I'm for social issues. But the Democrats like that. But then on the taxes, they, they want to tax, you know, the wealthy more because they say they, they, you know, need that money for government programs, things like that. Well, so here's, here's my issue on a couple other things. Um, I was talking with a buddy the other day. Him and I were hanging out. With our masks on, of course, even though we were outside. And and I said to him, uh, I do th- think there is a real need for some, you know, programs in this country. Uh, obviously, we need to fund the police, the firefighters, uh, teachers. Um, you know, the government needs to have public schools, you know, cops, firefighters, postal service, all that good stuff. And then uh, Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid. I get the need for those things. Um, And welfare. I understand the need for that. But we went a little overboard, and by a little I mean a lot overboard, uh, when it came to some of what was going on during the pandemic, where the federal government was subsidizing the amount that you would get in unemployment. And I want to say it was like an extra $600 a week or $400 a week. It was a a decent chunk of change. And Arizona is one of the worst states for this. I think you only get $200 in change a week, which to me, is not quite enough. But it got to the point where many people were making more money being unemployed than if they were employed. And that is a step too far for me because at that point, you're de-incentivizing people to work. Why would I look for a job? Why would I go back to work if I can make more not working? That's, That's nuts to me. So yes, if you lose your job, I do think you should get unemployment for a period of time. I couldn't tell you exactly how long I feel that period of time should be, but I also remember this term was thrown around a while ago of the 99ers, people who were collecting unemployment for up to 99 weeks, which is insanity to me as well. Uh, you should not be able to collect unemployment for over a year and a half. That That's just... <laughs> that's almost two years that you can collect unemployment. Again, um... I don't think a month is long enough. I don't think two months is even long enough. Um, a year? Yeah, I think a year is probably long enough in most cases um, before you should have to prove that you're looking to get a job and and take something in your field, ideally. You can find something or, you know, seek something out in a new field. And I know it's easy for me to say that because I've never been unemployed, But 99 weeks of unemployment just, I'm going to be honest, that feels like an awful lot to me. And Social Security is another one that my grandmother, who I cannot stand, she just turned 100 the other day. And I understand when Social Security started that you needed younger people in the workforce to fund those who were soon retiring. There weren't enough you know, retiring or already retired people uh, to fund their own Social Security or their own retirement. They, they needed that money. So they needed younger people to do it. So you had initially more people paying in than you did pulling from the system. Well, now we've got people living longer than ever. Like I said, my grandmother just turned 100. So you've got all these people who are, living longer and longer and longer and longer, who are continuing to collect Social Security. And people like me uh, will have to, at some point, bite the bullet. And it's either going to be my generation, my kid's generation. I don't have kids yet, but you know what I mean. Who is going to take that on the chin, and either they're going to have to up the age to, I don't know, 70, 75, Or what I would like to see, and again, this will be horribly unpopular, uh, but at some point, someone is going to have to bite the bullet. And by someone, I mean a large group of people uh, where you fund your own retirement and essentially you fund your own Social Security. So, you know, from the time that you turn working age to the time when you retire, you have funded your own retirement. And it's essentially your own 401k. So you're not counting on your kids' kids to fund your retirement because we don't have as many kids now as old people. And the system is broken, plain and simple. Look at all these pensions for all these first responders. They're upside down Um, and they can continue to pay out, but they're always having to borrow money and do this and do that and we're essentially trying to band-aid a dam that is about to break, and it, it will become a real issue at some point here. Uh, I'm just, I, I should peel back the curtain for you a little bit and let you know. I, I save notes in my phone. Sometimes I take pictures of stuff that I want to talk about, and I, I save the picture. Uh, let's see what I got through here. Uh, okay, I'm doing pretty good doing pretty good with my notes so far um let's see what else I got here I got some I think I got a hot next door post here let's let's see what I can get rid of here uh, ba, 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 ba. oh sharpie gate let's talk about that for a minute ridiculous okay the reason they had people using sharpies at the polls is because they didn't smudge and they dried the quickest if you voted with a sharpie I'm confident your vote counted the bleed-through, they they line it up in such a way so it doesn't bleed through to somebody's, you know, little, little bubble on the other side that you had to fill in. I personally, I voted early from home. Um, I'm an independent. I know for whatever reason a lot more Democrats vote early than Republicans, and a lot of Republicans much prefer to head to the polls. I don't get why that is. That just seems to be a thing. Um, but... Do you really think that the people at the polls are sitting there going like, "Oh, well, this is a Republican, so so we're going to hand them the Sharpie, but oh, a Democrat just walked in, we better hand them the Bic pen." So that, you know, they their vote is counted, but the the Republicans get the Sharpies or or did they just assume, "Oh, it's going to be way more Republicans today and we know that, so we'll just get all Sharpies." And oh, all these Democrats voted early, it's great. Well, Sharpie gate uh, Total hogwash. Um, and it came out today that the attorney for the plaintiffs in uh, Sharpie Gate, the Sharpie voting lawsuit, voluntarily dismissed the case. So the Sharpie issue done in Arizona. Thank goodness for that. Uh, but before that came out, I got this hot next door post last night. Susan throws out there voting in Arizona. I was a poll watcher for the election, she says. Note, she spells poll, P-O-L-E. I find that interesting, but uh, I digress. So she was a poll watcher, and yet she doesn't know how to spell poll, P-O-L-L, which is what she was watching. So she was a poll watcher for the election. Uh, I'll go on here. Uh, Prior to election day, I was a poll watcher she says it again at two different and again she says p o l e at two different locations in Maricopa County on those days voters were given black pens to mark their ballots on election day i was at one of the polls p o l e s i had observed prior to the election on this day voters had to use permanent markers in fact one of the people going around and checking on the polls C-O-L-L-S. Interesting. Talked to the person in charge at the voting poll, insisting that all voters use permanent markers. This had not been required earlier. Many voters were concerned as they bled through. They were assured that this would not interfere with appropriate recording of their votes. I question if this is true. I did report it to the appropriate people in Arizona and Washington, D.C. Well, good for you, Susan. Jennifer responds here. Quit trying to stir up more drama as if we don't have enough of that going on. My friend always volunteers, and Sharpies were recommended before this election. They were used previously. Plus, you're about three days late to the game. You're just trying to get people worked up, and it's P-O-L-L, not P-O-L-E. I would think someone who volunteered would know that. All right, Jennifer, good for you. Uh, So we got that going on. Uh, Other non- Election news. And for the record, I really don't like talking about the election. Like, do you like talking about your job every day when you get off work? I would think in general it would get a little bit old. And personally, I am ready to move on from this election. Um, Supported President Trump for the last four years, wanted to see him do well. Have no idea if Biden's going to do better or worse. I am confident he will do better with covid I don't think he could do worse than President Trump did on that. Uh, having rallies all over the country, saying he wouldn't wear a mask, uh, to me, encouraging thousands of his followers who, who turned out at rallies not to wear masks. I'd guess about 80 to 90 percent of the people who showed up at those rallies not only didn't social distance, but didn't wear masks, and they were proven to be super spreader events. Uh, there were others as well uh, that obviously spread the virus, but uh, those were a real concern um, that stunk. Uh, The way that he constantly clashed with Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, and others was pathetic. And the way that he talked uh, about the virus and, you know, we've had almost a quarter of a million people lose their lives. And when he would sit there and say, you know, oh, it's, you know, it's going to be gone by this day or gone by that day or you know, it's, it's not that big a deal and we're moving past it. It's like, well, no, um, a quarter of a million people have lost their lives and, and those people have family members who are going to vote, who have lost their loved ones. And I don't feel like he cared one iota about them. I feel like in general, for the last four years, he treated the presidency like a way to raise himself up on a pedestal. A pedestal, pedestal maybe a pedestal, too. And... Uh, that was a huge issue for me with him. Uh, Vice President Biden, President-elect Biden may not be any better. We'll have to see if he can get some things done with the House and the Senate. And the one thing that I like most is he said it at, I believe, every event since the election started and uh, the last debate, even, he said it. And he said it a number of times when he says, I'm a Democratic candidate but I will be president of the United States or, you know, president for all, essentially. And he talks like he wants to unify. Will he really be able to do that? We'll have to see. Uh, non-political stuff. Uh, so like I was saying, yeah, I I try to respect other people, you know, if they don't want to talk about their job. Um. And, and it always annoys me, too, all the people who are like, oh, you're terrible at this and I could do your job better. It's like, well, would you like me to show up and say that to you? Like, well, I could do your job better. It's like, well, you really probably couldn't. And you have no idea what actually goes into, you know, what I do. I really probably have no idea what goes into what you do. So let's just respect each other. Let's let's tuck each other up as opposed to cutting each other down. Uh, non election and political things. Finished a couple more books. I finished The Hunger Games, the first one. Don't think I mentioned that yet. Uh, Whipped right through that. Got through it in like three or four days. It reads really fast. Uh, I've seen the movies. Book was, uh, you know, would be one of the rare exceptions where I would say the movie and the book were almost equally good. Usually I think the book is way better than the movie. I've talked before about the book and the movie The Natural, the movie being one of my favorites ever, the book, not good. And then I, I finished a book by Charles Barkley. I read some of his stuff when I was a kid, and he wrote a book around like 03, 04, called I May Be Wrong, But I Doubt It. What And he talks in there about all kinds of issues, uh, racism and his thoughts on uh, race issues in the country, a number of years ago, and uh, he rehashes the whole issue of, you know, should athletes be role models? You know, should, you know, movie stars be role models? And I agree with him. He, He was spot on with that. You know, athletes should not be role models. And you don't want to, you know, have your kid, you know, count on an athlete to be a role model. They're out there to perform and to deliver for a team. And yeah, your kid may look up to them, but ultimately your kid should look up to you first and foremost. And, um, I guess it would be nice if athletes were all, you know, holier than thou people, but at the end of the day, their, their job is to go out there and be great athletes. And a lot of them, you know, do some bad things and a lot of parents do bad things. So no, uh, athletes, uh, should not be the biggest role models out there. Hang on, sip of water. Okay, now that was a good sip of water there. Uh, don't have too much else here. Um, what else do I have? Been running a lot. Uh, got another big accomplishment the other day. My fastest 10K got it down to... Uh, 53 minutes and 33 seconds for 6.29 miles. So I think the 10K was even a little less than that. Um, eight minutes and 31 seconds is what I averaged per mile. And I will be doing 10 miles tomorrow. That will be the longest I've run in about a year. And then the following Sunday, I will be hoping to do 11 miles if you happen to see me out running and you're in the greater Phoenix area, you can give me a friendly honk or you can yell out the window, hey, Joe, hey, Lloyd, whatever. I would. Uh, I, I love that. Although I probably won't hear you. I usually listen to music or podcasts when I'm out there running. But um, I'm looking forward to uh, up in the miles here. My next big goal. I have two. I want to turn out a mile under seven minutes. My best so far is seven minutes and five seconds. A buddy recommended I go to a track and try to beat that time. They thought I could get it under seven minutes if I went to a track, so I'll have to do that. And I want to do a half marathon in under two hours. And I'm pacing well to do that with the 10K in 53 minutes and change. So Those are kind of the next goals on the horizon. I have a big goal of a marathon, probably late January or early February. I'm working up to that. I'm gonna have to have a a little medical procedure in early February, shouldn't be a big deal. And I'd like to get my second marathon under my belt before then. I'm just gonna run it on my own. And uh, the tough part is going to be You know, when you run like a professional race, there's water and Gatorade at various points on the course, and you can pick up energy bars and stuff, and they have all these volunteers for the race. I don't have any of that if I just do this on my own, and I can plan it out where I can take some money with me, and there's a fries that's about four miles away from my house, and... I could, you know, stop there and go inside and and fill up on water and then run out like four more miles from there and then turn back, and that would give me eight plus the four I'd already run, and then the four home would give me 16. So I can kind of rig it so that I can stop and get water and get, you know, a cliff bar or some kind of energy in me and, and stop if I have to but I'm trying to figure out the, the best way to make it all work for me so I, I don't have that down just yet I uh, should mention I'm reading a book called The Boys of Winter right now about the, the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team some of the backstory into a lot of the players and uh, Herb Brooks' life so I'm about a quarter of the way through that short book uh, looking forward to that. And I'm hoping to get some time off in December. I haven't taken any time off from work since early March, just before the pandemic. And I could sorely use it. Uh, I'm looking forward to a break. I've thought about trying to go to Vegas for a couple days, even though there's no shows and no buffets, and it would be totally different. But just getting out of town, I think, would be valuable. And I'd still wear a mask everywhere I went, and I'd bring food back to my room. I can't imagine I would eat in a restaurant. I've ate in uh, one restaurant inside since the pandemic and one restaurant outside. But most of the restaurants I like in Vegas are inside seating only, so I'd probably order the food and then just bring it back to the room. Uh, But I'm thinking about it. Um, Even if I'm just you know walking around the strip out there and— checking some stuff out for a couple of days. It'd just be a change of scenery. And I'm hoping to get at least two weeks off in December, maybe as much as a third with the holidays and all of that, and knock out some appointments and do some more reading and running. And, and I'm tired and I'm run down, but when I get a weekend and I can sit there and read and get, get some good runs in me, and I've got a pretty good schedule going now where I'm doing – Seven and a quarter miles or more every single day. Uh, Five days a week, it's seven and a quarter miles. Basically, my schedule is Monday and Tuesday, I walk the whole distance. Wednesday, I take off. I eat a cheap meal. I have some fries usually for breakfast or lunch too. And I treat myself a little bit on Wednesday. So then on Thursday... I run anywhere from 3 to 5 miles and I walk the rest to get up to 7 and a quarter and Friday same kind of thing. Today I did a speed workout. It's called called the fartlek where you you sprint for 30 seconds then you slowly jog, then you sprint again, slowly jog, then you do it for a minute, slowly jog a minute again, slowly jog, then 2 minutes, then slowly jog, then 2 minute sprint, then slow jog. And you do that for uh, an amount of time. I did 35 minutes today of that and that will make your speed better over time. And I'll usually do uh, one of those on Saturday and then uh, the following Saturday, I'll do another one and then I'll uh, on the third Saturday, I'll switch it up and I'll I'll generally walk and uh, the whole point is to uh, just mix it up and to... Uh, why am I blanking on the term? (laughs) Um, It's a different type of workout, basically is what it is than the fartlek, where, um, oh, cross training. So you could swim, but I don't feel like going to the gym right now and I don't have a pool in my backyard. Um, You can walk. You can do uh, a bike if you have a bicycle. A lot of different stuff for cross training. But the point is to not just run. And then on Sundays are my long run days, which when you start with a marathon training plan, they start pretty small, as small as like two and three miles for your long runs. And then you typically will build up one week, build up the next week, then you'll go down. So for instance, I did eight miles a couple weeks ago, then I did nine miles the following Sunday, then you drop down to six. This upcoming Sunday, I'm going to do 10. The following Sunday, I'll do 11. Then you drop down to 8. And then I think I'll go up to 12 and 13. And that's when I'll start trying to work on that half marathon time and see if I can get it under two hours. So I hope you're pulling for me. I'm uh, pulling for myself. I'm feeling good. Haven't stepped on the scale in a little over a month. My next goal is to step on there December 1st. I'll uh, I'll give it a go. I don't feel like I've lost much more weight, maybe a couple pounds. Ultimately, I want to get uh, you know down under 170, like 165 to 170. I think would be a pretty good plan weight for me. And um, I've talked to a handful of people about my weight, and some people have seen me who haven't seen me in months, and. And they're like, wow, how'd you do that? And and I tell them. I'm very honest. I say, uh, I did some yoga sculpt early on. I haven't done that much in a while, but uh, I have a friend who teaches that who has been a huge help to me. And uh, manifesting, another friend suggested that, like kind of a positive mindset and just a belief that you're going to accomplish it. That's been very helpful to me. And The walking and the running is important. I don't think you need to do seven miles every day. I I didn't start at that. I started with just doing a mile or two every day. And even if you can't do that, do a block, do two blocks, build on it. I would start with like a mile or two. And then I started doing three miles every day. Uh, The point is just to move more. And uh, the biggest positive impact for me was the intermittent fasting. And I started with the eight hour and now I'm roughly at a six hour one where I eat from usually about 1230 to 630. You know, some days I might eat, you know, only 1230 to six. Or if I'm, you know, working on something late, it might be, you know, 1230 to 730. And, you know, I don't sweat it. But that has gotten me to eat less and to eat healthier as well. I've just made better decisions over time. I find that that really worked for me. And I tell a lot of people this, and I would hope they would be encouraged when I tell them um, it's not easy, but I did it, and I truly believe anyone can do it. And it works. It's been going for me for almost a year now, and I can stick with it. And what I like about it is most diets, I find that a lot of people yo-yo. They lose the weight and then they put it back on. And this isn't, you know, a fad diet where, you know, I don't restrict myself from anything. I just, you know, I I can have a piece of pie, but maybe it's smaller than it used to be. And I can still get that cheat meal on Wednesdays. Or, you know, if I'm really jonesing for something, I could have a piece of pizza or some Chipotle. There's... You know, you just, over time, your body gradually just wants less. And I find a lot of people just want this magical pill that they can just take and just shed weight. And wouldn't that be great? But uh, I find that the best change oftentimes in life is difficult. And we learn valuable lessons through hard things. And I say that with a smile on my face. Uh, it's, it's not sad to me that, uh, that life is difficult. At times, it it stinks in the moment. Um, you know, going through a breakup over a year ago was very tough for me. And, um, you know, my mom was in the hospital a number of years ago, and that was the toughest moment in my life because I couldn't control what happened to her. Um, but I learned a lot from that, and I've learned a lot from my own chronic illness. And... I tell people all the time, it's made me a better person. And I feel the same way about losing this weight and this diet. It's made me a better person. It's been really tough, but it's worth it. And that's what I would encourage in you, too. Like whether you want to, uh, you know, put on weight and, you know, bulk up and muscle, or if you want to lose weight, like you can do it. You can run a marathon. Everybody who I know can, you know, can do 26.2 miles. It's just a matter of intense dedication and training and a positive mindset. Whatever you want to do, you can do it. That's what I hope you take away from today. Like you can, you can do amazing things, and I know you can. And I believe in each and every one of you. I tell my interns all the time. Um, I've never had an intern who I've failed and. There's been interns who I've disagreed with and some who drove me a little nuts at times. But it's one of my favorite things to do is to work with you know, young minds and encourage them because I don't feel like I got a lot of help when I was coming up in broadcasting. And I want to encourage them and I want to show them all that there is to see. And if they're really passionate about something, I want to help them you know, go down that road further and explore it more. And I want to see that excitement in their eyes and on their face and in their smile. And I want to give them all the tips and tricks that I can because that's ultimately my goal, just to give back. So, you know, if you want to know more about my weight loss, I'm happy to sit down and tell you, but it's essentially what I just told you. Uh, The other thing I would tell you is uh, sleep is important. I don't always do the best there. I try to get at least six or seven hours a night, and finding a way to unplug is vital, too. I really—I set that goal to read two books a month, and I've held true to it, and I enjoy it. And I'm watching less TV and less movies than I ever have in my life. But I sat down and I watched some college football today, and I watched a little bit of wrestling, and I enjoy that stuff. And I hadn't watched TV in over a week. (laughs) Nothing. Nothing. I'd come home, essentially uh, eat something, and lay down, do some reading, do my walk, do all that. But I wasn't watching any TV for the last week or so. So find some way to unwind. Um, You know, find something you're into, whatever it is. You know, I I like hanging out with my cat and petting my cat and hearing her make strange noises. Uh, Maybe it's a dog for you or a bird or a turtle or, you know, whatever it is. Just take an interest in something. So I realize I've been all over the place here, but that's kind of how I am in real life. So I'm going to take off for now. I'll uh, line up some guests over the next uh, couple weeks here. I'll dive back into the election with Scott. Him and I will have a breakdown of everything. I'm sure we'll have a good discussion. I'm looking forward to that. I'll try to get uh, my buddy Luke back on. Him and I always have a good discussion anytime we, we go on our walks and we hang out, whatever it is we get into and uh, we'll see what else I can get into. Maybe I can uh, drag my intern this semester in here and uh, and get her to share some stuff. She is a really bright mind. I'm super proud of her. And even though the whole semester has been virtual, she has been a phenomenal intern. And I know that she's going to make it. In, you know, whatever she chooses to do in her life. And you know, she's interested in broadcasting. Interested in a lot of other stuff too. So that's good. I'm done babbling. Goodbye.